Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Talking Total Talent. This week I chat with Nadine O'Regan, who is the general manager at TQ Solutions. TQ are the leading TA advisory consultancy and um, they really pioneered the team approach, which stands for talent acquisition, engagement and mobility. It's right in the sweet spot of talking all things total talent. Um, Okay, so without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of Talking Total Talent with me, your host, Ben Satchwell. And I'm really pleased on this episode to welcome Nadine O'Regan from TQ Solutions. Hello, Nadine. Hi, Ben. How are you? Good, good, thank you. Excellent, good stuff. Well, I'm really pleased to have you on this episode. Um, uh, a lot of people know TQ Solutions and the advisory work that you do, but given the um, uh, niche focus of our, our podcast being Total Talent Management and Total Talent Acquisition, um, with uh, yourselves being the leaders in um, that side of things and the advisory side of Total Talent, it's great to have you on board. So thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, You're welcome. What I'll do, get stuck straight in though. Um, so why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, first of all, and your background? Sure. So uh, I've been with TQ now for uh, around six years. So I think that's the longest I've been with any company. So that's got to be a good thing. Um, Before I was at TQ, I've been in um, a talent leader's shoes. So I've been a a head of resourcing, head of talent acquisition uh, for a couple of investment banks. And, uh, you know, I I understand the struggles that uh, they face and the budget issues that they face. And I think that's one of the things that makes us um, really attractive for clients is, is all of the people that we have have all been uh, in those roles. So we've lived your problems, we've lived your challenges, uh, and we have a really good understanding of that. So I've been in recruitment for way too long to, to remember, over 20 years now, uh, and I started in agency hiring and I've worked in the UK and here in Australia. Fantastic. All right, it's a good, good scene set. So um Obviously, we've had the pandemic and we're still in the pandemic as we record this nearly sort of 10 months in, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. TA function was already evolving and moving at pace. Um, The pandemic's obviously impacted that significantly as well. Um, How how are yourself seeing the evolution of the TA function at the moment? Yeah, well, hey, it's a challenging but exciting time in TA, that's for sure. Um, Certainly, you know, the word unprecedented has been bandied around a lot. uh, And as sick as we are of that term, uh, it's accurate. Uh, You know, I I remember when I started in recruitment a lifetime ago, it was all about agency hiring. And then uh, some of those more cost-savvy companies started realising that they could save money by doing, um, uh, bringing those agencies in-house, especially in the UK, we saw it more, I suppose. And there was some really basic uh, branding concepts around at the time, and we saw some career websites sprouting up. And then we entered this supposed war for talent, and that led us to focus uh, much more on EVP and branding and sourcing to an extent. Uh, And companies started thinking that they could probably do this whole uh, recruitment thing better themselves and we saw the rise of the insourced function so then a few years later in more recent times I guess we, we, we see these companies start to realizing uh, start to realize that technology can help them get to the next level uh, and we see the rise of this experience factor uh, and fast forward to 2020 
uh, COVID hits and, and we're now in this uh, strange new world where some companies have never been so busy and others are flat. You know, health tech uh, and digital hiring is still insane. It's white hot, has been for years, but other areas are, are completely flat and recruitment uh, and TA have um, been seen as redundant functions. And, and in a lot of cases, unfortunately, for some of our industry peers, literally redundant. Uh, so companies and their TA functions are now starting to look at the market that they're facing into and the multi-speed economy that they're operating in. And what we're seeing is this real um, pivot from focusing on the acquisition of external talent to a real focus on talent engagement and mobility. And that's what at TQ we refer to as team. Uh, and it's a much more holistic way of looking at talent and your talent strategy. And this is where I think um, we'll see TA move next. Excellent. And, and yeah, it was very sad as we saw a, a lot of industry peers being made redundant, unfortunately, because of just mm -hmm. that focus on, on external at the front end. And hopefully this team approach that you just mentioned there will sort of address that in the future. Um, do you, so let's talk about the mobility component as a starting point. Um, how do you see mobility sort of changing post-COVID? Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think uh, what COVID has done is it's brought mobility to the forefront for many companies. And I think that has to be one of the big positives that we take out of COVID. Um, you know, we have to see the, the, the silver lining here, I think. Um, uh, you're born out of necessity at the start of COVID. We saw all of these companies having to really quickly redeploy their workers, not necessarily into jobs that their workers wanted to move into, but into the areas where the business needed them most at that point in time. Uh, and I think what we have learned out of that is just how important potential is, but how little we really even know about it. Uh, succession planning has now become um, uber critical to business continuity and um, this works in our favor. Companies have had to really refocus their efforts internally and essentially have repurposed TA to drive those mobility outcomes. So basically I think what we're what we're seeing now is a need for companies to, to really get better visibility of the entire workforce and when I say that I mean your, your gig workers, your perm, your temps, your contractors, SOWs and everything uh, and the the internal uh, and improved mobility of skills within those those businesses. But look, when we, when I say we, I mean TQ, when we go into these talent functions and really get under the hood of the function, um, invariably what the employees are telling us is that it's still easier to find a job externally than in, internally. And that's a really, state, uh, a really sad state of affairs. And what I would say, is um, a big issue there is the tech. You know, they just don't have the tech to enable the mobility uh, or the transparency around that process. Um, and when I think about where mobility has gone wrong in the past, I think we have suffered historically uh, due to our over-reliance on the acquisition of external talent and the perceived value that talent has. And in a lot of cases, the perceived lack of value that talent has. Um, I think we also have to be honest uh, and say one of the other big blockers when it comes to mobility is manager capability. So managers have a really hard time committing uh, time to the recruitment process, let alone um, employee development. And 
you know, a lot of these managers uh, suffer from a really small-minded view of TA. And what I mean by that is, you know, that, that whole, uh, we've all heard it, I want someone who's done this job before and can hit the ground running. Uh, that's a really short-term fix, but it's a long-term long rabbit hole and it's a massive inhibitor to mobility. And where we see more progressive organizations, they've got a few things that um, most companies don't when it comes to mobility. Um, you know, they've, they've got a really good understanding of their talent ecosystem and the skills that are within it. Uh, they've got managers that are skilled in developing their talent. Um, they've got succession plans in place that, that are focused on all employees, not just, you know, the chosen few in the leadership ranks. Um, they've got transparent and well-communicated internal mobility practices. And they've also got the HR and the REM processes uh, to support that. And, you know, I think we've all worked for companies in the past where, you know, the HR policy means that you can't promote someone off cycle. You can't give someone a REM review off cycle, you know, and that is a, a real big issue when it comes to mobility. Um, and the other thing that uh, progressive companies have that most companies don't, I think, when it comes to mobility is they've got clear ownership for mobility. You know, Bureaucracy tends to be a big inhibitor to progress, um, but the business know that they own mobility. They're not pushing it out to HR. Uh, so I think we really need to focus on upskilling our managers. They need to understand the benefit that they gain by adopting a, a talent mindset, I think. And as an industry, we've also let ourselves down here, I think, by not focusing on um, those measurable outcomes for the business in the past. Um, you know, I think of a client that we're working with at the moment, um, we sat down with them last week and I said, you know, do, do your managers actually know how much their attrition is costing them? Because we've crunched the numbers for you and it's X. Uh, do your managers know the dollar value assigned to retaining this employee for an additional 12 months? Um, do your managers know at what point their employees are at highest risk of departure? You know, do your managers know the ROI to the business if they move someone laterally rather than hiring someone externally? Uh, is leadership, uh, is mobility even on the leadership KPI dashboard? You know, most of the time, the answer is no to all of those questions. Uh, so as, as companies build out manager capability, I, I think the only natural progression from there is that we're also going to need to consider the role of the worker in development. Um, by giving our workers more choice over what they do and what development they undertake, I think we're going to really start to realise the benefits of employee engagement. Uh, so, so post-COVID, I think we're going to see a, a, a massive focus on mobility programs. And to me, it makes sense for TA, TA to own talent in all its forms across the business. So I think it's likely TA will take ownership for those programs. And to do, to do that, um, we need to really shift the TA mindset um, to a relationship mindset. And you know, that is a much more human way of doing things. So I, I, I hope that the future is bright for mobility. Okay, right, awesome. So I've got loads to unpack from that though. So um, uh, so questions that I'm 
preempting our listeners will have. So a few, uh, so our audience sort of made up of TA and HR professionals. A few of them are in that sort of mid-sized organization, somewhere between sort of 200, 500 um, FTE, um, medium, medium pace, pace growth and what have you. What sort of, could you answer around what sort of size you need to be to effectively implement mobility? And is, is there a cutoff point where you should start it or what's your, what's your view around that? Look, I, I think um, mobility should be something that is considered um, from the very start of your business journey. So I, I was talking to a company yesterday, I was talking to the founder of a small company yesterday, 12 to 13 people, uh, and they're kind of at that tipping point where they're just about to start hiring maybe five or six more people. And you know, um, I, I sort of said to them that this is the point where you need to start thinking about this stuff, you, you know, one bad hire and that's really going to have a big impact on your business and how you how you grow from here on um, and if we we think of the likes of you know Fred, frederick lalu and things like that uh, people like that and you know and corporate rebels and, and whatnot you know they are um talking about mobility and self-directed learning and uh self-directed rem and these sorts of things um, from inception. So I think, you know, we really need to think about the talent culture early in a business. It's very hard to unscramble the egg. Uh, and I think, you know, I always say to clients, on, regardless of the transformation project that we're supporting them with, you need to start small. If you're, a, uh, you know, a business of 30,000 people, obviously this is going to be harder to implement. But you need to start small. You need to look for the early adopters within your stakeholder groups. You need to pilot programs. You need to experiment. Um, what works for one business is not going to work for another. And what works for one business unit may not necessarily work for another either. So I think all businesses of all sizes need to be looking at this. How they tackle it, though, is going to be very, very different. Okay, great. And then... Um... Another thing that comes up commonly in my conversations is the legacy perceptions of mobility. So what I, and that can be uh, across all levels of the business. So whether that's uh, leadership, uh, hiring managers, et cetera. So when I say legacy perception, I normally ask for a clarification question. And that's basically that mobility is a database or register where you put the staff that you don't want. Um, that sort of thing. Obviously you and I know that's not the case today, but have you got any pro tips on how to help overcome those legacy perceptions in some organizations? Yeah, uh, I'll talk about organizational mindset um, uh, at some point in this podcast, but um, you know, I think that is a really important part of what we're talking about. So we see uh, organizational mindset as a big problem with, with all of the companies that we, we're going into. Um, and mindset takes time to shift and this is what I'm talking about when I say manager capability, you know, um, and any uh, talent strategy really needs to be coming from your, the top of the business down. You, you can't push that strategy up. Um, if your CEO doesn't have a talent mindset, we're in strife. Uh, they need to understand the value that talent adds to the business to be able to change that um, legacy perception over time. And... I think um, the one of the biggest ways that TA can influence that is by focusing on the data and the analytics that sit behind it. 
you know, um, we need to work better with the business in terms of those measurable outcomes, and we need to be coming up with measurable outcomes that actually matter to the business, not to TA. They don't care about time to fill. They care about the quality of the hire. They just want the right person at the right time. Uh, and if we are not able to support that and report on that in a meaningful way, then you're never going to get traction. I'm with you. Um, and then you touched on uh, technology. Um, so um, how do you think technology can better support mobility? Yeah, I think that is a really good one because um, I think the absence of technology in place to support mobility during COVID was really brought into focus. Uh, a, lo a lot of the companies um, that we saw out there, they just didn't know what talent or skills existed within their business when it really mattered. Uh, a lot of our companies don't even have an LMS, let alone an opportunity marketplace. Um, you know, some have some basic competency frameworks in place, but uh, as I said before, managers aren't always uh, appropriately skilled in assessing that performance anyway, so it's a moot point. Uh, so without a robust process or, te or technology in place to locate the skills within the business, we can't expect a mobility program to ever be successful. And I think, you know, this is a real problem right now is, you know, best of intentions, but we don't have the platforms to support it. Um, and then that raises the question, I guess, of who owns the marketplace or the technology. Uh, you know, many companies, TA can't cope with the workload that they've got right now, let alone uh, adding mobility to the mix. But if they don't, I think they make themselves dispensable every time there's an economic shock. So I think they're kind of left with not much choice at the moment, but to pick up mobility to make themselves more resistant to, to redundancy in the future. Uh, but if TA can get a really good, solid understanding of the skills and the talent within the business, um, they'll essentially evolve into these talent facilitators across the business. And they're going to need a really good tech to augment their team to be able to deliver on that well. If, if, we, if we start thinking about taking it to the next level and start pred using predictive analytics and AI tools to uncover those latent skills across the business and across uh, all forms of talent, as well as um, looking at worker potential, like I mentioned before, and building learning into the flow of work, then I think we'll really see uh, employee potential and engagement having a big impact on the bottom line. And that's kind of that tipping point where the business start to see the value in it. So, so when it really comes down to it, I think uh, leaders and managers need to do a few things and they, they need to get better at assessing uh, and cultivating their talent. Uh, they need to understand the importance of talent and they need to build that culture from within their business. Uh, they need to use data to guide their talent decisions uh, rather than relying on their gut feeling. Uh, and leaders, I think, within the business need to start rewarding the managers within the business that are demonstrating the right talent behaviours. And I think that's how we will see fundamental change over time. So I think we really need to just stop viewing talent as a supply chain for starters and instead look at it as an opportunity to unlock the human potential that we have within the business, wherever it resides, so all types of workers, uh, and meet the strategic objectives of the business. 
you know, it, it's no longer enough to just shift people around and put names in boxes. We need to actually be doing that to meet the strategic objectives of the C-suite. And if tech can enable that, then I think that has to be a good strategy. And I, we would be advising TA leaders at the moment to be looking at um, internal mobility technology platforms um, whilst the, the, the eyes of the business are on it as a topic. Uh, really interesting. Um, you mentioned LMS, and I'm just going to jump back to LMSs more broadly, which might sound a strange one, but um, uh, I had a conversation recently and uh, an organisation is thinking instead of the payroll software being the source of truth, they're actually going to make the LMS software the source of truth for the whole business. Mm -hmm. And then what they're going to do, so obviously that integrates with payroll and then everything else will come into the LMS so that they get centered on that um, in the moment of, of truth and learning. So workforce planning software, ATS, etc. I hadn't heard that before, but I thought that was an interesting concept. I didn't know if you'd heard that before or um, maybe they're just an outlier trying something different. Yeah, look, uh not necessarily an outlier, but I mean, there are companies out there that, that are doing it, but um, you know, pay, pay, payroll systems have their own issues. Anyway, uh, let's not get into that. But um, you know, there are other companies out there that are you know, building the, the learning and the employee life cycle into the flow of work. We're seeing, um, we're seeing learning built into ATSs, for instance. So, you know, um, one of our, our sister company, the Career Conversation, can build learning into the flow of the recruitment lifecycle in your ATS. So uh, just before an interview um, uh, conducted by a hiring manager is undertaken, they get a, a, a nudge to complete um, two minutes of interview refresher training online, you know, things like this. So I think there definitely is a move to, to move um, the life cycle into the flow of work, whether that sits in a one system or another system it doesn't really matter i think I, but i think the move is a good thing okay cool um a word that's coming out quite a lot is the word engagement um mm -hmm. can i just get sort of clarification i suppose more than anything when you refer to engagement of talent what exactly do you mean in this context yeah uh so engagement's been a really core aspect of, of the more sophisticated uh, talent functions for a while now and traditionally when we think of um, engagement for TA, it was everything from the point at which candidate first touches your brand through to verbal offer um, for some companies, maybe at a stretch onboarding. Uh, at, at TQ, we refer to engagement as any touch point in the talent life cycle. So that now uh, includes development and mobility of talent within the business and, and sometimes even um, mobility of talent outside of your business. Uh, uh, so, so we see the role of TA evolving into more of a talent coach role, especially as we automate those low value tasks more. Uh, and we want to see talent functions stepping up into those, those higher value tasks and really curating the experience between the organization and talent. So we see an engagement across that, that continuum. Uh, total talent visibility, I think, is, is going to be really difficult um, for any business if they don't start breaking down those functional silos that exist within them and collaborate more on, on talent strategy. And I think HR is um, one of the, the worst offenders here. So you know, whilst it's not just a HR problem, 
uh, within HR with, with a, the um, perfect example of where we've built up all of these functional silos. You've got one team that look after recruitment, you've got one team that look after onboarding, then there's another handover point and there's another and another and another. Um, we would like to see a more cohesive engagement um, experience across all of those silos. So I think uh, HR needs to work better and play better in the sandbox with each other. Uh, and by doing that, I think we'll start to see this shift in mindset where talent becomes top of mind, unencumbered by those archaic HR policies that we talked about before. So, so I think um, the way we refer to engagement at TQ is kind of moving beyond this idea of total talent um, and instead relating to the total addressable market. So talent in all its forms, inside and outside the organization across the life cycle. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's does, does 100%. So, yeah, yeah. The, and I like that phrase, moving beyond sort of total talent. That's quite um, uh, clear in that regard as well. So, because um, it's, 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 it's not an easy thing to do, right? Um, which is an, another driver to get you on was um, the vast view that yourselves have got with all the different types of clients that, that you're working with. Um, so more broadly, what lessons are you learning as you sort of roll out this team approach um, that you mentioned at the start of the, the interview? Yeah, so um, that's a really good point. I mean, we, we are working with massive companies, we're working with small companies. Um, and, and I think the lessons are fairly consistent, regardless of size. Uh, where we see companies doing really well at the moment and making headway is in those areas that are um, easier to manage. So things like policies, process, and tech, uh, we call those the enablers. Um, so they're the things that the company uh, tends to get their head around a bit easier, I guess. Uh, where we see real struggles, um, as I alluded to before, is with regards to organizational mindset. Uh, yeah. So the latest version of our talent maturity model was designed with a shift in focus from enablers to mindset because we saw so many transformations over the years fail um, because the mindset um, of the leadership was just not mature enough to enable it to succeed. Uh, so, and when I talk about mindset, um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, is the talent and people strategy aligned to the business strategy? Often it's not. Um, do the business functions and the talent functions talk to each other? Um, do they develop their people strategies and partnership? Do, does data and analytics feed into those talent decisions? Uh, does, does accountability sit with the right people? Um, you know, a lot of those immature businesses I mentioned before, they push responsibility for people and talent decisions to HR. You know, it's not my job. Uh, in progressive businesses, the business is accountable for those outcomes. You know, the leaders of those businesses, they consider people and mobility the most important part of their job. Um, we have seen talent leaders uh, in the past, though, focus uh, on the enablers and not enough on mindset because they just, they never really know where to start. Um, you know, it, it's a it's not something that TA necessarily is able to influence. Uh, we've worked with the likes of ANZ over the last few years um, and worked with them on their transformation and they've achieved some amazing things. Um, but that came with a new CEO that was really focused on new and innovative ways of doing things. So um, it has to come from the business. Uh, 
it, change has to come from the business. It, TA really has little um, way of influencing that. So whilst companies like ANZ prove that it, it is possible, um, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, so, so what we tell our clients is, you know, um, start small, um, be patient and keep trying. Uh, adjust your expectations, I guess, to align to the leadership mindset that you're dealing with or that you're facing into. Um, focus on the quick wins uh, and work up to those more complex issues later as you get some wins on the board. And, and just keep in mind that what works for one stakeholder is not necessarily going to work for another. So look for those stakeholders that I mentioned before that are advocates for you or they're willing to try new things or, you know, um, or they've got a specific challenge that you can, can assist with. You can also look for the things that are working against you. So you might look at your process if as a step in the processes that is causing you pain, but it's not adding value to any, uh, any stakeholders in that um, process flow, then get rid of it. Um, Work with, with what's in your span of control as a starting point, I think. Um, and a, a good starting point, and this is not a plug for us, but if you want to benchmark your own talent maturity, then jump onto our website and do the free talent diagnostic. It's free, so I'm not selling it. Right. Um, we open sourced it because we really thought that it was an important tool to help talent leaders understand their baseline. And we also felt that the industry as a whole really need to move the needle on this and work together. Yeah, no, I've had a look at the, um, the diagnostic, it's fantastic. So, um, and I say that from a point of, um, I'm XCB, who were bought by Gartner. So we yeah, okay. do them all the time. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll drop a link in the, in the bottom as well. Um, and, and as you say, it's free as well, so there's, there's no plug there. So that, that's, um, that's great to hear as well. Um, I, I think in my own personal experience in my career, I've had a couple of different types of roles. Um, Talking about the CEO role right now, when you think about people who report upwards in that direction, in a very simplified way, and I, I am simplifying this for the purpose of this podcast, um, really their responsibilities are around strategy, cash flow in some senses, and talent. Really, you can distill it down to those three things, right? So why do you think it's hard if we were just to pinpoint them down to those three things to convince some leaders around the importance of talent? A combination of things. Um, you know, a lot of companies, HR has not had a seat at the table. And I think one of the awesome things that's going to come out of this pandemic, if it hasn't already, is that um, HR directors and, and crows now firmly have a seat at the table. Uh, you know, we went from uh, the HR director maybe having a, a quick catch up with the CEO once a month. Uh, on people issues to um, suddenly being in crisis meetings with the CEO every morning at 8am and talking about the, um, you know, the well-being of their people globally. So um, that was an awesome opportunity for the CEO to really understand the capability of the HR function. And I think we will see fairly soon whether or not HR can maintain that. Um, and I think, you know, we have not been providing the CEO with the information that they require. 
you know, um, going back to that question before where I mentioned, you know, do, do the business actually understand what their talent decisions are costing them? Most would be a no. You know, um, there are very basic people analytics functions and some of the more um, progressive, large global businesses, but people analytics um, is, is really not well understood in most businesses within this country anyway. You know, it's much more progressive in the US and Europe. Uh, I think we are measuring the wrong things and we have been measuring the wrong things for far too long. And we have now become uh, over time, a, a essentially a compliance function. Mm. You, know, uh, you know, tick a box, make sure you know this employment form has been completed. Have we done this process? Yes, no. Uh, we have not been solving the problems for the business. And we, we've been serving a purpose, a compliance purpose, but all in all, I don't think we have been um, aligning our objectives to that of the business. And, and I, I just don't think CEOs have, um, not necessarily through any fault of their own, they just haven't understood talent um, as well as they should. And we have not helped them with that. And that's a sweeping generalization. I'm not saying everyone, every company has done that. I mean, there are great crows out there, don't get me wrong, but you know, as an as a industry, we have been pushing the proverbial uphill for quite a long time. Yeah, I'm aiming to be more of a glass half full type of guy. And I definitely see that uh, from the Crow HIV perspective, the seat at the table, and that's um, in line with the conversations I'm having. And some, someone um, pointed me in the direction of a great article, which was around how the GFC was the CFO's moment. And this is okay. now the Crow's moment. Um, so I thought I found that really interesting, which, which is great. So. Um, last question for me. Um, so what's your advice overall to talent leaders as we um, face off on 2021 with still a number of unknowns out there? Well, um, like I said, a, a huge positive is that the C-suite now have a much higher regard for HR. So um, I think 2021 is going to be our year or whether we, when we see um, if TA can capitalise or continue to capitalise on that positive sentiment and um, extend its sphere of influence to team and drive some real value to the business. So um, I would say to talent leaders out there, you know, consider where your business is at, uh, what are their priorities and how can you add value to those priorities. Uh, make sure you have a really good understanding of your operational baseline, what's working well, what's not. Um, most of the talent functions out there are operating even leaner than they were before. And let's face it, they were pretty darn lean before. So um, you know, instead of a one-size-fits-all model when it comes to talent, I think you need to consider a differentiated service model um, to focus on the areas that really matter to your business. Um, move to a data-focused um talent strategy, so focus on the value and commercial performance that will resonate with your business. And you have to be talking to your business to find out what that is. Um, I think we have to be really realistic in 2021 that economies around the world are, are gonna probably continue to struggle until we see the full impact of any vaccine. So depending on what industry you're in, your experiences are all gonna be really different. Um, for some, they're gonna be purely focused on surviving 2021, which is, is 
totally fine and appropriate for the times we're operating in. But I think what the smart companies will be doing and thinking about is how to be on the front foot with talent when we come out of this. Um, and you want to be that company. Um, they're, they're, they're thinking about investing in their brand. They're maximizing talent opportunities. They're building resilience into their talent function. Uh, and they're looking at um, how their talent operating model will be able to deliver on that service. So I think they're the ones that will come out ahead at the end of this crisis. And I see a real opportunity for companies to be investing in that organizational mindset that I mentioned before through leadership development when it comes to talent and mobility. There's never been a better time to be um, upskilling your managers in this department. Uh, and I think ultimately this is how we're going to bring, bring more humanity to the talent function for the future. And you know, let's face it, what TA desperately needs right now is, is more humanity. Great, great note to finish on. Nadine, I just want to say thank you again for taking the time to not only spend half an hour or so with me, but also the prep and, and everything I know that goes in advance. So thank you for that. No worries. Thank you. Cheers.